Off the ball. Rugby. If you are looking at New Zealand squads, we shouldn't be afraid of this one compared to being afraid of other ones in the past. <laughs> join in the obsession. Subscribe now at offtheball.com forward slash join. The Koigig Pod on Off The Ball in association with Cadbury, official snack partner of the Republic of Ireland women's national team. Katie McCabe, a huge, huge goal. I'm very proud of the team's performance. We're going to go out there to beat them. We're going to try and beat them. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Koi Gig Podcast. I am Kathleen McNamee and to review the final of the World Cup, we have our champions, Spain are the winners in a game that I don't think anyone expected would come around the way that it did. We will be looking back on that today and the rest of the tournament with Emma Byrne and Karen Duggan beside me as always. Emma... We talked a lot about what way this match was going to go, what we wanted, who we wanted to win. What was your immediate feelings on Spain becoming World Cup champions? Um, I initially was ex- very, very happy because it's about the football, isn't it? And they just played absolutely beautiful football. And um, Neither team really showed how good they were. They didn't show their true potential throughout the tournament. Um, and then in the end, Spain did. And that's what it came down to. When Spain play well, click well, they they should be winning World Cups. And I think that's what we were expecting them to do if they played well. And they did. They were brilliant. So in the name of football, I was very, very happy. And Karen, what did you... I know Emma said there about the fact that we maybe didn't see either team shine in the way that maybe we would have expected in previous years, but what was it that Spain got so right on the day? Um, in the first half, everything. Um, I think England played into their hands, trying to press them. They they were they're too good. And it just gave them license to show how technically good they are getting out of those tight spaces. And it was like... Prime Barcelona men back in the day, it was a joy to watch. And before it, I was kind of like staying a little bit impartial, didn't care who won, blah, blah, blah. But once they started that, you were like, okay, well, this is the best team in the world. So best team in the world should win the World Cup. And they did. Yeah, it was funny. It was like, as you were saying there, when you beforehand, you're like, oh, yeah, I don't really care. And that was like last year with the Euros final. Beforehand, I was like, no, I want Germany to win. I think like that's that would be a good result. And then when I was actually watching the game, I could just feel it building in me that I was like, no, I really want these Lionesses to win. Whereas yesterday it was the opposite. Going into the game, I kind of said, yeah, I don't really mind either way. But then the more Spain got on the ball and when they got the goal and then when the penalty was saved as well, like... I just, I went through all the emotions for them and I was willing them on. I would have liked to have seen maybe like another goal so that it all felt a bit more tight and exciting than it possibly did at times. But no, we didn't I mean, want it, extra time. No, not an <laughs> extra time. <laughs> not extra time, but like a 2-1 result by the end of the full 90. Well, 103 by the end of it with the 13 minutes added time. Emma, we have talked a lot about this Spanish team and about the players and the management, but they have their big moments now. I mean, they've already done it at the underage World Cups. Is this a pinnacle for them or is this a kicking off point? I think it's it's only going to grow from here. I mean, this still looms over. It's so I'm so bored of talking about 
Jorge Vilda, to be quite honest. Um, but it, there's still a bit of a dark cloud over it. But I do think, like, if you had the option, if you want to <clears throat> change women's football in your you know, demand for, for better things. There's no better way than winning the World Cup. Like literally zero. You cannot do any more than that. <laughs> so I think it is um the catalyst for how they're going to improve the league, how to improve facilities, no more turf pitches, things like that, that they can really work towards. And, you know, they have to invest. The FA literally have no choice now. So it's not about being mates with this person or believing in this coach and supporting that. It's nothing to do with that anymore. It's about women's football in general. They have to invest. They're going to invest. Um, so I think it's a massive thing. And, you know, I don't know if you watched any of the interviews, but that's exactly what Alexia Putez was saying. She was like, this is going to drive women's football in our country. And, you know, it's already like a religion over there anyway. Everywhere you go, the kids have a football. You know, everyone talks, everybody knows about football. There's ma- It's massive, massive. There are no other sports to compete with. So it's a massive thing. Um, and now it's about women's football. There's a major focus on women's football and obviously the men's as well, but now the women's. And everybody's talking about them, which is exactly what they wanted before they started trying to negotiate better, whatever they wanted. Nobody knows, but um, at the end of the day, this is what they needed to do. And they they needed, if you're not going to win off the pitch, you have to win on the pitch. And um, I think it's going to be a big turnover for women's football in Spain. Yeah, and also it's a thing of like, I suppose, knowing more names. You know, we've had so many of the younger players come through. And so it's not just going to be Alexia Patelis that is on the name on everyone's lips. You know, even players that have been there a long time who maybe had their opportunity to shine on this world stage, it's going to be a good time for them to, I suppose, build on their own brand and make sure that that then trickles down into terms of grassroots football and more girls and women getting to play football. Karen, for England, how do you start to kind of pick yourself up after that game? Because what we saw, like, we saw them line out in a way that's not dissimilar to what we've seen in the rest of the tournament. But then we saw Wiegmann make those two changes at half time, which is like very unlike her in terms of, I don't think I remember her ever really making such a big change so early on in the game. You know, even we've talked so many times on the podcast about, say, someone like Lucy Bronze looking like she's absolutely out on her feet by like 80, 70, 80 minutes and still Wiegmann won't make a change until five, 10 minutes before the end. Oh, was this like a a tactical mishap from her? Was it that the players weren't in the right headspace or was well, it just... I, like, if I understand why she started the team, she started, I mean, they were the team that got her there in the toughest two games that they had played in the tournament um, and that being the call of not playing Lauren James. I also understand that when you're 1-0 down and your midfield is getting overrun and you're only really creating off the break and, and not imposing your game on Spain that you need someone who can come in and do that. So I wasn't surprised by the Lauren James switch at halftime. Um, I was a little bit surprised by Chloe Kelly coming on, but it was completely justified. I thought they were probably England's two best players overall in the game. Um, so then you're kind of thinking, can you, it's obviously going to throw up questions, should they have started this, that and the other, but um, there'd be no reason to 
look at Serena Wiegmann and question her in any way throughout the tournament because she got an under par team to a World Cup final. You know, they are still missing massive names. You know, Bette Mead was the golden boot in the Euros. That's a huge loss. Obviously, Frank Kirby, a playmaker, and then you've got your captain as well. So they overcame a lot. Um, They didn't sit back and accept that we're just going to let Spain run this game. She made the decisive decisions um, and they were a little bit better in the second half but Spain were a better team they have more technical talent and England weren't I think the midfield battle was so key and England's midfield hasn't really been at their top level at any point throughout the tournament Which is strange when you think about it, considering the players that are there in that midfield and how generally solid they are. Emma, what was your takeaway from England yesterday? I think um, I think it's a shame because I wanted to see England play well, perform well. They have the players. There's a massive issue at the start, the fact that Serena Wiegmann was going into the tournament not knowing her. Well, I'm not sure if she knew, but we certainly didn't know her strongest eleven. And she's so, they're known for their consistency. She's known for not making changes. So I think this would have been very disruptive. So like Karen said, they, they did absolutely brilliant to get to the final. Make no mistake about it. And then with Kira Walsh getting an injury as well, she came back from it, but it still shook the team a little bit. Like there literally is nobody to replace her. And that's, that's very, that's a bit of a scary thought. Um, but like Karen said, the midfield were completely overran. I think Jorge Vilda's side were absolutely excellent. Got it spot on. Like the fact is he's been playing Jenny up. Jenny plays a false nine, Jenny Amoso. She will drop into midfield, but late. This time she was playing in midfield, which allowed her to drop early, just overload the midfield. They had Aitana, they had Jenny Hermoso, and they had uh, Teresa Abiera three players that were interchanging, getting on the ball and England just did not know what to do with it. They started with a really high press, which I love, but only if you can do it really well. They couldn't. Spain were getting out, completely exposed in the midfield. And then what Serena is very good at is she changes it in the moment. Not many, not a lot of managers can change it and it be successful during the game. So they dropped off a little bit. It was a little bit better, but then you're playing a different type of game. There's maybe too much to change within the game. So halftime was a good time for them. Um, I just think they should have looked at Sweden and how they blocked off the play, playing that box in the middle. Like Spain were so average without their midfield. This mm-hmm. is why I thought when Salman Parriuelo plays, I think she's going to play in the final. And I think they might bypass the midfield because against Sweden, they weren't very good in midfield. So I'm thinking Spain are clever, England are clever. It's going to be very tactical. But no, they played through the midfield. The midfield were excellent. The best we've seen them all tournament. So it was a different one, really difficult one to call for Serena. But when Chloe Kelly came on, she definitely changed it a little bit. I would have started Lauren James just because she's so dangerous. But I completely understand why she didn't. You're talking about being worried about Spain. Your players having to track back. You're thinking more defensive than attacking. Um, But when Chloe Kelly came on, she really did change it, just keeping wide, stretching that player, stopping Olga Carmona getting forward, number one, but also joining in in the attack. So that was a really good change. 
Um, didn't like the whole Millie Bright thing going up. I think we they panicked. We they they panicked. <laughs> we well, can understand why you would I say we at that. <laughs> I think they panicked a little bit. Um, when they had enough time, they did a good twenty five minutes with Millie Bright up front. You didn't need to do that, oh. and we, they still weren't getting the ball into the box. So, not that wasn't a, a good decision because it was still one nil. It was like panic stations. You're still one nil. Um, I thought when Mary Earp saved the penalty, that would change things. I was like, this is it. It's going to change. It's going to go in England's favour. But the difference was with Spain and England, England didn't know when to be composed, when to slow it down, when to keep possession, when to, to counter, when to turn the screw. And that, I feel, it's not inexperienced because they're an experienced team, but maybe the inexperience of, of control in the game, like Spain can. So in general, in Spain just looked like the the team with more quality and and more experience. And then for the Carmona goal, Karen, a lot of people talking about the fact that you know Lucy Bronze did move out of into the like was attacking up into the midfield, leaving that gap behind her, which isn't something like I and mean, something Spain sure sorry England should be relatively prepared for considering how much of a forward thinking player she is for you was that more of a all-round team fault and that was an acceptable kind of risk for her to take to leave that space or with the way things were going should she have maybe not done it and looked for another option oh, it was a mixture of both I mean she put her head down and run into, ran into five Spain players and the players around her didn't react to make a good enough angle she was looking for a forward pass and those passes were cut off um, she should have turned back re- restarted um, at the same time Alessia Russo should have clicked onto the Carmono overlap quicker um, when your wing back goes forward your opposite side should drop back and shift in um, and that's just kind of basics and they didn't and it left Carter kind of at sixes and sevens, whether she should have shifted wider right or whether she stayed central. And I think the fear of Parluello made her stay central. And then you're, it, it shouldn't be an excuse, but you're thinking, Alessia Russo was looking at the ball as a lot of strikers do when they're in that scenario. They don't tend to look over their shoulder. Also, she was playing as a two up top. She wasn't even top of a wide three. So for me, Lucy Bronze made a mistake running into traffic um, and then she trotted back. You know, I would look at her body language after she lost that ball. She was throwing her hands up in the air rather than sprinting back centrally. If she sprints back centrally, maybe it gives Carter um, bandwidth to leave. But um, all this is a split second decision and it's it's easy to lay blame. Um, yeah, they really, switched off. They, really what you should look at off. is the quality of the ball from when Lucy Bronze lost it out wide was that was done within a split second and it set Carmona, it was the trigger for Carmona to go and it was a phenomenal finish. You know, it was technique, knee over the ball, hit through it with her laces into the only place that Mary Earps didn't have coverage. Like you can't even look at the keeper in that situation. Her angles seemed to be bang on, but she hit the side netting. It was a fantastic finish and it was a fantastic goal. And you're going to talk about mistakes, but I think you should probably talk about the Spain quality. Um in, in it as well because they crowded the midfield and they didn't give Lucy Browns an option so there's you should be giving credit there to Spain as well Yeah but there was definitely a bit of that uh, air of Barcelona about it in the sense that they 
minute England switched off at all, they were right on top of them. Yeah, I mean, they, they press very well when they are out of possession. Like we talk about Spain being a possession side, which they are, but the quality of the team when they aren't on the ball is is just excellent as well. And that is very Barca style as well. Uh, it's very Spain style. But yeah, like just uh, with, with Lucy, like Lucy will be devastated about that because she's she has quality and she took about five touches. I wasn't sure where she was going, to be honest. Mm. But the thing is, she did something similar against Wolf- Wolfsburg in the Champions League game, the final, and they scored from it. So it's just it's just something like I'm saying, Lucy's so experienced, but she's still learning. You're still learning no matter what age you are. And that touch infield, you know, it's, it is the Spain thing as well. Move with the ball, take a touch inside, even if you're a fullback. Um, but it's that touch. It's the second touch. It's the third touch. And, and yesterday was the fourth touch. So she definitely will have a look at that and she might need to think about how she, she deals with that in the future. But yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things going on. England switched off. You know, they didn't cover the danger areas. Everyone stood still. Karen's talking about Lucy sprinting back. There were two other midfielders behind her as well that could have organized a little bit better and the center. Um, and and the three central defenders, but I mean, they knew Olga Caramona. That was what she was going to do. She was going to absolutely pelt it. And she's, you know, they were ex- trying to exploit that space when they got the ball in behind her. But you have to think about defending her first <laughs> and getting the ball back. And um, it was a poor goal to to concede from England. You have to say that, you know, in a World Cup final. But then you talk about Spain and just how they punish. And that's one thing maybe England hadn't come up against enough, the the punishment of losing the ball, of making mistakes. Mm. And then the other big talking point in the game was penalty. Emma, I know you said on the coverage yesterday that you thought it should have been retaken. I'm assuming you've had a chance to look back on it again. Still feel like that? I didn't have a chance to look back on it again. <laughs> <laughs> but I still feel like that because I mean the angle I would have liked to see the side angle where Jenny Hermosa actually connects with the ball but it looked like she hadn't connected with it when Mary Earps um, had come off the line she didn't have anything on the line so for me I don't like the rule I don't agree with it but if they're going to have the rule they have to be consistent and I said it from the beginning okay if they're going to pull goalkeepers up on this and you know make sure they retake the penalty you have to be consistent. And it was a very small margin, but I mean, you talk about offsides, you talk about penalties, you talk about handballs, they can be very small. Look at the the penalty that Lena Hurtick scored against USA. It was literally the, the smallest of margins, but still it's a, it's a goal. So for me, if there's a rule, there's a rule. I think they should change it, but it's a retake. Yeah, I don't think I've talked to anyone that actually likes the rule. I think it's all that much to the game, especially when it comes to retaking penalties. Karen, it wasn't a particularly good penalty anyways. I know, like, Erps, obviously, it's always great to get the save, but there wasn't a lot of power behind it. It was at a decent I mean, any, level. Any penalty that can be caught is not a good penalty. Like <laughs> Very, very poor penalty. And I didn't expect it because I thought Hermosa had a pretty much flawless game other than that. 
Um, like it's actually completely dictated the midfield. Um, I'd say her passing stats, her pass completion rate, and the amount of time she kept possessions re- through the roof. Like she was brilliant. But yeah, it was just a terrible penalty. It would have been terrible if that had been the decider. Maybe it would have. Uh, added to the excitement of England to go on pitch and scored, but it would have been an injustice for her on her performance because yeah, she was she was top notch. Yeah, I was kind of relatively surprised that it didn't kind of get England going a little bit more and think like, okay, right, we just had something. But I think, go I think like Emma said, they panicked. I think putting Millie Bright up front wasn't working because they still didn't start lumping balls down and when they did lump it it was like Millie was waiting for the knock on which it's not that doesn't make sense either so um, I think it was just adrenaline and emotions ran too high for England at that point and they just um, knew that they weren't going to create anything easily I'd like to know if Rachel Daly was injured when she was taken Mm -hmm. off because because you took off your two goal scoring strikers in Russo and Daly I think if you took off one and changed the other you'd be like yeah it makes sense but Gonna let my dogs have one. They've probably seen a leaf or something blown across the driveway. Um, I think it would have been really interesting if Daly had gone up front. I mean, you don't need Millie Bright up there if you've got Daly. Daly's excellent in the air. Um, I'm just wondering if she was injured because she was pulling up a little bit um, during the first half. I think it would have been take Russo off. Agree with that. Put Rachel Daly up front. Um, and I think it just would have offered something different. Like we, or she's in form. Excellent. I think she had a good World Cup. Don't get me wrong. I think she does re- a really good job. But she wants to play number nine. She's a goal scorer. I think that would have changed the dynamics completely. But I'm guessing she's injured. Yeah, it seems to be the only it makes sense that she would be injured because, as you say, if you are looking for that goal scorer, your current forwards aren't doing it for you. Why not chance it, especially if nothing else is kind of working for you at that time? Um, well, though there's the other side of the fact that Beekman just really doesn't like paying her in that position for whatever reason. Um, so we have our champions. We have Spain. They've won the World Cup now. We think they're going to kick on. You have players like Sam Aparuel winning the Young Player Award. You have, you know, I mean, that the Barcelona contingent that are in there are incredible. Is this the sort of team that's now going to go on and win the Euros? Or are England going to learn from something like this? And I thought it was kind of funny that England had been the ones prior to the being like, oh, we've been in a big final before. We know how to win these things. And I know, Emma, you said, well, most of these players that in the Champions League final and won it, like they are board winners. They they know how to cope with the pressure and they've been in big finals. This is just like the next biggest final they've been in. So is is this kind of a certainty that they can dominate now for a little while on the international scene? Or have you seen enough from other teams during this World Cup to think that it's going to be a bit more, I suppose, tit for tap? We don't know who might dominate over the next coming years. I don't think we can say they're going to dominate because I think the World Cup in general, the standard has been excellent. It's it's not surprised me, but I was just so happy to be able to say, look at this. This is just amazing. Every single game, you could pick something out of it and just be, you know, so proud. 
Um, I think Spain should kick on. My all you never worry about the Barca players because you know I'm I'm not anti any other club in Spain. <laughs> People think I'm just Barca, <laughs> Barca, Barca. I am Barca, Barca because they do things right and they've got incredible players. They have the best development in the country. My thing with the Spanish team was, will the other players be okay in this World Cup? Because I, I, I have no doubt that the, the Barca players are going to be all right. In this World Cup, the other players have been excellent too. I was worried about the holding midfield position. Abiera, is she going to be good enough? She's got a big job in there. She was excellent. Olga Carmona left back, excellent, apart from the Japan game, but none of them really <laughs> were very good in the Japan game. Um, right, Ona Bate has been very, very good. Um, obviously, Salma. I thought Redondo did really well. So, like, these players who aren't Barca players, as in Redondo, Abiera, Jenny Hermoso now, um, they're top, top players. And the league's only going to get better from here. So, obviously, you, the national team's going to get better. But you can't say they're going to dominate because Sweden were excellent. I thought they were so good tactically. Um, however, Aslanya was a big cog in that engine. And I'm not sure how long she's going to be around uh, playing-wise. Um, I thought England are excellent. They have such good players. I think they learned from it. They're, they were so unfortunate with injuries. I think it, when they get those players back, they're going to be a different beast altogether. Like massive, massive players for them. So... Obviously, you'd never shut them out. And Spain, by the way, wanted to play England right from the beginning. I was talking to them. They're like, obviously, we want to get to the final and we want England. We want to play England. I'm like, why do you want England? Because they consider them the best, the best. And such a massive nation as well for football. Spain, England is just such a great head. In. And a bit of revenge for yeah. here, surely, as well. A little bit of revenge, but, you know... It's just in general that to say you've beaten England as well. England, the, the the FA and everything, it carries such a weight. Like it's such a massive nation for football. And I would have loved to. I never played England. 23 years playing for England. I have never played England. That would have been like probably the highlight of my career. <laughs> it's um, kind of mad that after that long, you never managed to play England. <laughs> never, ever played England friendly or, or in the Euros. So, yeah. Uh, keeping us apart. Um, so, yeah, you can't say who's going to dominate. They should be dominating, but there's still this issue that needs to be resolved. Um, what's going to happen with the manager? That's very, very important. Um, like us, who, who, what happens with the manager? Do they stay? Do they go? So, yeah, it's all about what happens on the board, basically. Karen, a final word to you. Apart from tired, how are you feeling now that the World Cup is over? <laughs> um, I'm ready for it to be over. <laughs> um, no, it was brilliant. Um, obviously, the the start and the finish were very different. The start, I think, was full of our emotions and it being our Irish experience, which was obviously brilliant to have. Um but quite stressful. And then towards the end, you were actually able to just concentrate on the football. And then I think that's why we were looking for Spain to win it because they can bring that um, level. I think the whole tournament has shown that the gap has closed in terms of physicality. I know like all of these girls showed they're nearly at that fully professional level. So 
then it becomes about tactics and skill and how teams develop in that. And that's a lesson for us as well, because I felt like we were a little bit off physically still. Um, and then we need to look at the love how Spain play with the ball. And, and obviously that's a long, long way away for, for us, but we have to make steps towards that because everyone's going to be dogged and strong now. And it's about what the next steps are. So there's a lot of lessons, I think, from, from watching it. Um, but it, it feels like a really exciting time. It feels like there's a, a boost there, a platform to kick on from. Um, not just for Ireland, I think generally ever. Um, I think it was, it was class. Um, and it was a lot of talking points, you know, it was, wasn't short of drama. Like uh, Germany knocked out, England, USA knocked out in kind of dramatic fashion. That was great to see. We have a new winner. Um, yeah, it was a phenomenal World Cup all around, I thought. Yeah, delivered on a lot of things. And like you, I actually felt like I went into mourning this morning whenever I woke up and kind of realized there's no more football to watch for the World Cup. I don't know. I feel like we've just been building it up. Like we've been talking about this for how long now, Karen? Since we started the podcast, we've basically yeah. been like the World Cup. That's our dream. That's our aim. That's where we're going. And now it's all over. And we're like, we performed and we had all those experiences I'm like huh what now well what now is Northern Ireland coming up in that game in the Aviva which we will be talking all about of course closer to the time but for now Emma and Karen thank you very very much as always the Koyang pod on the ball is brought to you by Cadbury official snack partners Republic of Ireland women's national team as we said this World Cup is sadly over, so there's no more football for us to talk about for a while. So we'll be taking a short break, but we will be back for all the WSL and international action very, very soon. So yeah, thank you to everyone who's listened to the podcast over the World Cup, everyone who's messaged in, everyone who has come up to us and said that they really enjoy listening. We do appreciate it, and we look forward to bringing you the new season very, very soon. The Koi Gig Pod on Off The Ball in association with Cadbury, official snack partner of the Republic of Ireland Women's National Team.